Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. Man Learns. Written by no good ID names. In the earliest times, when the world was unfired and new, after Armor the Maker had plowed the mountains and poured the rivers, he gathered all the animals together to give them each a gift. The antelope and the deer he gave the gift of speed, to bear the gift of strength, to crow and kite the gift of flight, and on and on, until there were no animals that did not puff and preen in pride. Each of them was sure that their gift was the greatest, and soon fell to arguing amongst themselves. The clamor grew so great that finally Harbor, who was trying to sleep, came out to see who was making the noise. Tell us, Armor! Tell us, they cried. Tell you what? he asked. Tell us amongst us who has given the greatest gift. Armor grew very cross then, for he had spent many days shaping the world and creating animals to live there. And now, even after he had given them each a gift, they still disturbed his rest. None of you have the greatest gift, he said. I have saved that for my last of my creations. Who is it? they asked. What gift shall they receive? You'll find out tomorrow, he said, when I have had my sleep. Armor went back inside his hut and lay down to rest. But the animals were all so very curious that they cried outside his door. Who is it? What shall they receive? Again and again, the whole night through, and he slept not a wink. In the morning he went down to the river, and all the animals followed him. He dug up the rich red clay and threw it onto his great wheel to be shaped. When the wheel spun so fast his hands moved with such a grace that not one of them could see the thing that he'd made, even when he'd popped it quickly into the kiln to be fired. Ama sat the clay and cooked, watching the animals stomp and snort impatiently, and enjoyed how restless he had made them. Ama is a kind god, but even he is not above such things that he was not had his sleep. When the clay had been fired and all the way through, Ama pulled it out of the kiln, holding it tight in his hands, so that they would not see it. He carried it out of the hut and down the little cave beside the mountain and set it down its side. There he's he who is called man. He who bears my greatest gift, he said, shouting over his shoulder as he walked back to his home. Look upon him, if you dare. All the animals were very curious, but it was a long time before any of them were brave enough to go and look. From Armour's words, they were sure the man was a very great and terrible creature. But finally, Crow, who had always been the most incurious and impatient of the animals, spread his colorful wings and flew into the cave. Crow used to have many different colors before he gave them to Peacock, but that is a story for another time. After just a moment, they heard the crow call out, Come and see, come and see, he called, see the one called man. 
Then all of them rushed in at once, although it was a very small cave. They were packed tight and cramped and crowded all in a circle. And in the center of the circle was man. They snuffed at man, poked and prodded him all over until he was very sore. But they could not find his gift. Man was not strong or fast or keen of eye. He was weak and soft and hunched over like a stunted tree. Where is it, they asked. Where is your gift? But he could not tell them. Then all the animals came running and crawling and flying out of the cave and went back to the house of Amma, beating on the door. Amma, they cried. Amma, hear us. I've heard you long enough, he heard them say. Let me sleep. But still they beat and shouted until they could stand it no longer and opened his door. What, that I could turn you back to clay each night, he said. What is it that you want? Amma, you're killed as a cold this morning, they cried. Man has come out half-baked. He is soft and badly shaped and has no gift. No gift, indeed, snapped Amma, vexed, for he does not like to be told that his work is shoddily done. And remember, he had still not yet slept. I told you before the man was given the greatest gift. Perhaps you did not look for it correctly. Then what is it, they said. What's man's gift? Arma could see now that they wouldn't have no rest until he answered them. Man's gift, he said, is that he learns. How can that be the greatest of gifts, the animals said. You have given us flight and strength and speed. You have given us claws and fangs and horns and hooves and thick warm fur and eyes that see in the dark. To learn cannot be the greater than these. Alma threw back his head and laughed. You seem so sure, he said, and so proud. Do this then. Go to man, each of you, in turn. Show him how much greater your gift is than his. In the meantime, I am leaving to sleep under the mountain, where I cannot hear your clamoring. With that, he went and pried open the mountain, seeding the way behind him so that not a sound could come through. And finally, he could rest from his labors. The animals were sad to see him go, and many wished that they had not disturbed it so. They were vain and foolish and often cannot think beyond themselves, but every one of them loves Zama because he made them all. But in time they turned their thoughts to animal things and to small shriveled creature in the cave who bore the greatest gift of all. As the dawn rose, Bear came to the cave to challenge man. Come out, man, he bellowed. Show me your gift measures against mine. Man stumbled out of the cave and peered at Bear in the bright morning light. With a snort, Bear heaved himself up on his hind legs and strutted about. This is my strength, man, he said. There is no other creature my size strong enough to walk on two legs. Do you have that strength? Man tried, but he could not walk more than a few steps before he fat back down. After a few tries, he went back into his cave, shuffling, as he always did, his knuckles on the ground. Bear laughed and returned to the animals and told them that he'd beaten man. The next day, man left the cave to walk amongst the animals. All of them whispered and muttered in wonder, for he no longer hunched back and twisted. Man stood straight and true, balanced on his hind legs like bear. Look at how strong man is, they said. He's stolen bear's gift. Bear only grumbled and went to pick berries.
The next to come to man's cave were the antelope and deer. Come out, man, they cried as they danced in the long grass. Show us your gift. When man came out, they took off, rushing in such a speed that the eye could barely follow them through the grass, only to erupt from the great prancing bounds. Speed is our gift, man, they said. Catch us, and all the world shall know yours is greater. Man chased the two, but he never ran before. They laughed and ran circles around the clumsy thing, taunting him just out of reach. On and on he totally gave up and stomped back into his cave, hungry and tired. Antelope and deer returned to the animals and told them that they had beaten man. When morning came the next day, man left his cave and sought out antelope and deer. Once again he gave chase to them, and once again they laughed and danced out of reach. But they soon found that man did not tire as he did before. He chased them all throughout the day, long after they themselves had grown tired, and their legs burned and ached. They fled from him, laughing no longer, until the sun touched the earth once more, and they finally collapsed. Then man came and touched each of them on the horn. When they staggered back home, all the animals marveled at man's speed. After that came Wolf to man's cave. Come out, man, he howled. You have strength and speed, but can you track? When man came out, they played a game of hide-and-seek. Man was soft and could squeeze into all the dark and hidden places in the world. But every time Wolf found him, his nose was his gift, and even he picked his track and had never lose it. Man's nose was no great instrument. And when the time came for Wolf to hide, man searched high and low until the sun had set. But he could not find him. He became terribly lost and took a very long time to get home. In the morning, he emerged and found Wolf waiting for him, for Wolf, wise, and had seen what had happened to bear and deer and antelope, and the game again again. And although man could not hide from Wolf, neither could Wolf hide from man. His nose was weak, but he could follow the trail by tuft of hair, of broken twig, or the lightest paw print on the hardest ground. Wolf accepted his defeat with good grace, and the two returned home together, and Wolf howled to the animals a man's great tracking skill. Man and Wolf were very good friends for some time, but there is no time for that story now. The following days passed in much the same manner. When the sun rose, a new animal would come to the cave and challenge man, and each of them he lost they would boast to all the animals that they had beaten him. But every time, by the next morning, man would leave his cave stronger than before, and by nightfall, all knew it. The birds lightened before the cave one morning, and twirled overhead as he jumped to grab them, and the whole day through. When evening came, they sang of the glory of the flight of the whole forest. But the day after, man climbed trees and mountains, and there was no place that they could go that he could not. Otter took man no water, and there was floundered and flailed until Elephant had to wade in and save him from drowning. The next day he could dive to the deepest parts of the river and swim as if he were born into it. Beaver chuckled in that deep, chattering way that he does, watching man struggle to stack sticks atop each other. But by sunset the day after, there was a hut beside the cave to match the armor's own, only much smaller, of course. 
with comedian he played hide-and-seek once more, and soon was painting himself in all manner of mud and clay until not even Kite could pick him out against the cliff wall. All the animals came to test him. Deep down, each one knew that their gift was the best. And when man failed the test, that would mean that they were greater than wolf, bear, and antelope, and all the other animals that he had beaten. But somehow, man always managed to win, once he had first lost. It was not too long before man could dig and jump and sing and do about everything that any other animal could do. The animals gossiped at the grazing fields and the watering holes of how great a gift it was to learn, and all of them looked upon man with envy and respect. Well, all but one. Tiger did not like man at all. When Armour had given out his gifts to the animals, he gave Tiger three of his most fearsome and terrible gifts, and this made Tiger haughty and cruel. Most animals sleep in nests or dens, but Tiger sleeps wherever he wishes, because he knows no one dares to wake him. Tiger is not as wise as Wolf, but he had more time to learn. He knew that once man had taken everyone's gift for himself, then he would rule the world and all the animals in it. This did not sit well with Tiger, who was quite comfortable in his position lording over the forest. He decided that man would have to be dealt with immediately. One night, when man had gone to sleep, Tiger crept into his cave. Tiger is powerful, and a whole earth shudders when he roars. But he can also be quiet if he has cause. Each step he took with his soft, great footpads was completely silent. When he had come close enough, Tiger started to growl deep in his throat, the kind he makes when he knows it's too late for his quarry to escape. Man woke up and saw Tiger above him, and knew that Tiger's first gift, which was fear. Then Tiger leapt upon him and lashed with terrible claws, tearing at man all over, and he knew Tiger's second gift, which was pain. And then Tiger seized man in his cruel jaws, shaking him about the cave, and finally tore him into a hundred pieces, and man knew Tiger's last gift, which was death. Tiger looked upon man's scattered pieces and knew that he had won. Man would have no chance to learn to beat him tomorrow. He went out into the heart of the forest, and there he roared that man was dead. Many of the animals mourned man's loss, but many others did not. For all the time that they had sung praises of man, deep down they had hated him for stealing what had made them special. In the core of man's cave came rat and rabbit. They had not challenged man in the days before, for they were small and humble folk. In size and flesh and fur they were little like man, but they had no love for Tiger, who does not count a day lived until he has visited death upon them. As they looked upon man's remains, they felt a twinge of kinship. They called out to the smallest creatures of the world, the ones by one they came, Beetle, with his great horn that he was so proud of, Termite, who dreams of one day building his house as tall as armors, and who his marching troops, and on, and on. As the day grew long, they slowly gathered all of man's parts together. It was difficult, for man's pieces had been cast far and wide. 
but the little animals are nothing if not methodical. Before the sun set, they held all of man's parts in one of their wicker baskets. Together, they carried the basket up to Armour's great kiln and poured in man's remains. They kept the fire stoked and bellows pumping all through the night, and when light broke over the mountains, man climbed out of the kiln, good as new. Man was alive, but he had not forgotten what Tiger had done. He marched straight into the jungle, full of fire and smoke from the kiln. All the animals, those who had mourned his death and those who had praised his killer, saw his hard, stony eyes and knew that he had learned the gift of fear. All fled before him. Tiger was sleeping in a great tree, secure in his victory. The fight of the animals roused him from not a bit. Fear was his to give, not to receive, but it was another sound that woke him now. Not his own terrible roar, nor bear's great bellow, nor wolf's piercing howl. It was a thin, wavering cry from the raw throat, but it was a cry from one who Tiger had never expected to hear again. And as he heard it, for the first time, he felt a touch of fear. He rose to flee, but man had prepared while he snapped. Around the tree he crept, laying all manner of sticks and tinder in a great circle, making no noise on his toes. He could be quiet if he had cause. The fire from Armour's forge still roared hot in his belly. He belched up a goblet, and soon fire licked all around Tiger's tree. When Tiger awoke, all he could see was a stinging smoke, and all he could breathe was ash. He leapt badly from the branch and landed on a burning brush, and his paws touched the flames. He knew pain. Man met him then, armed with a long stick sharpened at the point. Tiger tried to lash out his claws to tear his fangs, but the spear kept him away, stabbing into him each time. At last, man leapt forward and drove his spear deep into Tiger. And as it pierced his heart, Tiger knew the touch of death. Then man called the animals back to him and still stained with Tiger's blood, declared himself a lord above all. It was a bad time then for animals. Man's time in the kiln had hardened him, and the fire in his heart never left him. Each animal was made to serve in turn, giving him their wool, their horns, their very flesh, and the strength of their bodies. He ringed and bridled and galded and thousand other ways he broke them to serve his needs. Man tore the jungle down and in its place built a great clay huts and burned with a flame, and they bellowed out smoke until the bright blue sky was black with it. He tore into the earth in great ragged rents until the stone wept shining gems, which he hung around his neck and arms. Otter found his rivers dammed with stone, the purge choked in the high places, the fish were caught in his great nets, the beasts in his wicked traps. If they defied him, there he brought them to heal with fear and pain. If they fled, he tracked them down. There was nowhere that they could run, nowhere that they could hide. If they fought, he delivered them death. Man had learned all the gifts and all their tricks, and they could not stand before him. Even when death was delivered unto him by the likes of Baron Wolf, it would not stop him 
from the smallest and the meekest, from rat and rabbit, he had learned to spread so fast and so wide that even death could not take a hold. All animals suffered. Man had proven to be far more terrible ruler than Tiger had ever been, and they knew that their foolish pride, they had made him so. When Armour awoke, it was in a much better mood than he had gone to in sleep. Making the world had been a long and tiring affair. Now, finally, he was refreshed. He lifted the mountain to see how his world had fared while he slept. What did Armour see? He saw the sky cloaked with smoke, his rivers muddled with all manner of filth, his land torn open and plundered. He saw huts without number burning in their beddies with fire stolen from his kiln. He found the animals, saw them ringed and bridled and galded. What has become of you? he asked. What has become of my world? Amma, it is man, they cried. He stole our gifts and made us serve him. Amma laughed, but there was little mirth in it. So he has learned your gifts, says he. He asked, he looked upon the works of man, and this is what he's done. Take him away, Arma, the animals cried. Save us from man. Arma looked upon them with felt sorrow. The animals had pestered him for no end once, and he had been angry then. But he had never meant them such misery. I'll do what I can, he said. Arma went to his hut, and then and fed and killed with the best coal, and soon it was cherry red and chirping from the heat. Even then he fed it, hotter and hotter, until it threatened to crack. The land began to warm, the snow melted from the mountains, and the oceans began to dry. On and on it went, hotter and hotter, until all living things were made to dance to keep from burning their feet. And still... The heat climbed, and man's clay huts shattered and collapsed around him, hotter still, until his clothes burned, his metals ran and flowed, and all a man's works had come undone. Only then did Armour let his kiln cool. Then Armour came to man, plucking him out of the ruin of his home to hold him up on his palm. Man looked up at Armour's face and knew God would crush him in an instant, and none of his gifts would save him. Unto you I gave the greatest gift, Armour said, and with this gift you caused greater suffering than I could have imagined. You ruined my lands, poisoned my rivers, and bent my children to your will. He drew man up to eye level. Now I give you your final gift, he said, and then lowered man down and stand amongst the animals. Mercy, he said, be sure to learn it. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.